All right, it's 8 after the hour. I have to be in my best behavior because uh, uh, Bill English is in studio today, and because it is uh, Halloween, he is uh, dressed up, and he's uh, dressed as a, uh, a referee, and he does have his flag and his whistle, so I could, yeah, I'm, I'm, I could be penalized and put back, you know, 10, 15 yards. Without well, there's, the, there is a roughing the guest <laughs> penalty. It's 15 yards. <laughs> we, uh, or hitting a defenseless sure, producer. Sure, there we go. There is... <laughs> I would say uh, pretty much uh, I'll be uh, retaking ground most of the hour. I there think you yeah, will. Probably we're just trying well. to get those uh, yards back. So welcome back, by the way, from Israel. Hey, thanks. Yeah, it's yeah. good to see you. Yeah, we it's uh, good uh, to Peter. See you. Peter uh, apparently uh, maybe takes the the, uh, the holiday a little too seriously, where he uh, he was up all night apparently planning on what he was going to wear today or something, and so wasn't, well, Peter, if you're sense. listening, uh, yeah. you may not. Peter may not be up, but if he is, yeah. Peter, if you're listening, you got us quit eating those Snickers bars at one in the morning. Yeah, you know that was the problem. That was so, probably yeah. the problem. Well, being being a good dad, a father of five, I mean, I think he probably wanted to just check things out for his kids. So yeah, that, make sure all the candy sure, was just up sure, to stuff. Sure, yes. <laughs> so uh, you know, just it's a, a line of duty, I guess. Uh, way to go, Peter. So uh, let's let's talk Israel. Uh, yeah, you you came back uh, with had a great trip. Uh, we did. Give us a little summary. We did great trip. Uh, Thirteen days we were over mm-hmm. there. Uh, one day for travel, uh, sure. basically is how it worked out. And um, uh, we spent four days in the wilderness, and then we spent another four days in Galilee area, and then the last four and a half days in uh, the Jerusalem area. And part of the Galilee trans going from the wilderness to the Galilee area. We spent some time on the Mediterranean coast and we went and saw Mount Carmel and Nazareth and Bethlehem and places like that. Not a lot to see there in in those towns, honestly. They're just basically contemporary suburbs or towns. Um, Really sad. Bethlehem, uh, I think I want to say 20 years ago, was probably 80, 85 percent Arabic Christians. And today it's probably about 85 percent Muslim. Arabic Christians only have about two kids per family, and Muslims are very fertile. They're mm-hmm. fertile myrtles, and they just have mm-hmm. kids out the yin-yang. And so mm-hmm. in, in one generation, that town has completely switched. So Bethlehem is actually becoming a somewhat of a uh, dangerous place to go mm-hmm. to. And there's Bethlehem Bible College over there, yeah. you know, the evangelical yeah. school over there. So I'm curious as to how that's going to uh, to go for them. You uh, you said spent the days in the wilderness. I think we... We probably think wilderness uh, think something different than what it's like there actually in Israel. You do not have a concept of what the children of Israel went through until you go and you hike in the wilderness, mm-hmm. which is what one of the things we did. We did a mm-hmm. two-hour hike through uh, part of the uh, Ramon Crater, which w- is representative of what the wilderness is. We were in the Canyon of Zin where Moses struck the rock and, mm-hmm. and the water came gushing out. And you look at that canyon and you look at the sides and you think, how did roughly a million people traverse over here? And good heavens, no wonder they were grumbling about mm-hmm. water because it is hot, it is dry, it is remote, and there is nothing there. If when, when you think about the land flowing with milk and honey and then you go to the wilderness, I, I'll promise you there's no milk and there's no mm-hmm. honey in that wilderness. And you have to kind of do a double take and scratch your head a little bit about what did God Really, what did God mean by that, and what was the promise of the Mm. promised land? That was one of the themes we dealt with. We did a Bible study tour. We didn't do a see the shrine tour. We did a Bible study tour. And what was the promise of the promised land? And 
Um, boy, did I, God, God really touched my heart in the wilderness, not in Jerusalem, not in Galilee. I like those areas. The wilderness was what was where I was touched. Because they, they had to go through the wilderness before they got to the land of milk and honey. Yeah. Before they could have the promise, they had to go through the wilderness. And that's not unlike our lives, hmm. right? Before we can really experience the fullness of God's promise, we have to go through our own wilderness experiences. It's um, uh, it, it was it was deeply uh, moving for me to be in the wilderness. So, let's talk more about that. How how uh, how did that experience just even walking for a couple hours change you? And imagine what it would have been like for a uh, you know children of Israel to be wandering through uh, day after day, year after year. There is. All the resources in the wilderness have to come from God. There, There's nothing there except dust and rocks and heat. It gets less than two inches of rain a year. Anything less than 10 inches and you're not growing any crops. Okay? So less than two inches of rain a year. Where do the cattle graze? Where do the sheep graze? Where do you go to get food? Where do you go to get clothing? Where's the thread coming from? Where's the wool? You know, it's it's not like they have a J.C. Penny down the down the trail there where they can go get supplies. Where do they go get uh, metal to craft tools? You know, all all these kinds of things. You're looking at a nation that came out of of uh, Egypt, came out of bondage, and where does God take them? He doesn't take them to the Promised Land. He puts them in the wilderness, and I think that was to get his attention or to get their attention, right? And I and 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 when you walk through that canyon, when you are in that place, and you begin to just think about how would I do this for forty years, you begin to deeply appreciate uh, the leadership challenges that Moses had, as well as the challenges that the whole nation had, trying to figure out who they are in relationship to who God is. When they come out of Egypt, they're a people. They're a nation, basically. At least that's how Pharaoh viewed them, and that's why he put them into slavery. He saw them as a national security threat to to, to Egypt. Um, when they came out of there, they were an undefined set of tribes, and they had to become a nation. And God had to take them into the wilderness to get their attention and to get them to be completely dependent upon him. You know, to me... Uh, the promise of the promised land wasn't that it was flowing with milk and honey. The promise was that we would be God's people and he would be our God. And that the land would never let us become independent of God. To me, that's the promise of the promised land. And that it's it's about the relationship that we have with God. Now, we're Gentiles, right? So we're grafted in, right? We're grafted into the to the Jewish community, but we're part of this spiritual Israel seems to me that th- that applies to us as well. You know, many of us growing up in the you know, affluent West have really never experienced have no concept of wilderness, really. I mean, maybe a little, you know, setback here and there, but I mean, it's not to say that everybody has uh, has a life of ease, because that's certainly not the case, but we probably, we don't fully comprehend, perhaps, the depth. No, no, we don't. And and the safety nets that we have from our yeah. government today would have come from your your tribe, your clan, uh, your family back in the wilderness days. But they were just giving out of their own uh, scarcity. It's a lot like Haiti, where uh, one person maybe gets a few dollars and there's 20 or 30 people in the family and they have to share it because everybody needs something.
What were you, uh, what kind of passages were you reading when you were, uh, you know, spending some time there just over those uh, four days kind of in, in study? We were, <clears throat> it was a little bit different than that. And it, I, I understand where your question's yeah. coming from. It was a little bit different than that. We were, we were looking at, at very specific words okay. and we were looking at very specific uh, imagery. What is the image of the rock? In, uh, of rocks in the Old Testament and especially in the wilderness. What is the image of water? And uh, and God, what did, what did God really mean when he said, uh, Peter, you're going to be a pebble, but upon this rock, this big rock, I'm going to build my church. And uh, does the rock go with us? Does the water go with us? And who is God and what is his relationship to his people? Um, I can't remember any specific mm-hmm. passages, but a number of them came from Exodus and Deuteronomy. Sure. Some of them came from, a number came from Jeremiah and Ezekiel and uh, some from the from the New Testament as well. Our, our teacher, uh, Yoni, his name is Yoni, he actually grew up in Colorado. He's an evangelical Southern Baptist guy. Uh, went over to Israel after he got his life uh, together with the Lord and never returned. Married an Israeli girl, has has raised his family over there. He's probably more Israeli now than he is American. Um, but he he does a phenomenal job of connecting the scriptures to the geography and to what people would have had to have faced back then. We sat at the well where Abraham and Abimelech made their treaty. And we saw how deep that well is. He threw a rock down that well. Do you know how long? It took almost five seconds before you heard the rock hit the water. And they dug that by hand. Now, how do they do that? I don't know how they do that. And and you look down and you see the stones, and they've been there for 3,000 years, and you see the stones, and it's a nice well. Now, how did, how did, how did Abraham do it? And see, that was the thing. Abraham knew how to dig wells. He knew how to find water. So now he's at the he's at the he's at the uh, rock, and the people are grumbling for water, and God says, "Speak to the rock." Moses, or, uh, I'm sorry, Abraham, yeah, but yeah, Moses would have yes, had yeah. Moses yeah. would have had the same skills, because yeah. all those people knew how to sure. how to dig wells, and 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 he, and he says to Moses, "Speak to the rock," and Moses gets mad and he strikes it. Well, that Hebrew word also means you can dig, you can mm. dig into the rock and you, and you stand there in the canyon is in you see this water seeping out of the rock in certain places i imagine the hmm. sin that moses committed was that he he fell back on what he knew how to do which was how to dig a well how to find water and he robbed god of god's opportunity to be our god if had he spoken to the rock and the water gushed out the people would have said he's our god hmm. But Moses struck it. He dug in. He found the water. The water comes out. And God says, you know what? If, you, if you're going to take my place, you're not going to the promised land. You're done. Right? And yeah. I think that was Moses' sin. Oh, I'm having a little church here this morning. Bill English <laughs> uh, from BibleandBusiness.com. I will take a little break and uh, come back talk more. Bill just uh, got back from a tour to Israel. And uh, it was not just a, a tour, really a time of study and understanding Uh, what it means that God is our rock and more. So stick around. We'll have more just ahead. In the wilderness, in the wilderness, he calls the sons and daughters to the wilderness. But he gives grace sufficient to survive any test. And that's the painful purpose of the
22 past the hour. Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com with us. You hear him regularly here on Faith Radio Mornings, and you can always check out his writings, his blogs at BibleandBusiness.com. We've been talking today about his recent trip to Israel, just back from a 13-day time, and part of their time was experiencing the wilderness and trying to see what that would have been like for the children of Israel. And maybe uh, is there a lesson for us maybe in America? What does wilderness look like for us? Yeah, what does wilderness look like for Americans? Because I do think uh, God takes those whom he loves. He disciplines those whom yeah. he loves. And he takes us through wilderness experiences to mature us, to grow us, to uh, build his character into us, and mainly to get our attention and our allegiance, I think. Uh, and so what, is, what do wilderness experiences look like? And there I, I kind of go back to James 1. Consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, the many kinds, right? Because you know that the testing of your faith, so the trial is really about your faith. The testing of your faith produces all these other things, perseverance, and and, and, and the list goes on. And so what does that look like for us? Maybe it looks like a job loss. Maybe it looks like uh, you have a loved one who went through uh, a deep um, time with cancer and passed away. And now you're having to rebuild your life. By the way, uh, we also looked at Noah. What happened with Noah after he got through the flood? And how did, he, how did his life end in the Bible, at least? It ends with him being drunk. And uh, there was, I, I read one of the rabbis who, who wrote on that, and he, the rabbi talked about him not being able to live with the guilt of surviving, hmm. you know? And sometimes uh, people who have loved ones who die, they ha- it takes courage. It takes energy to rebuild your life. It takes creativity to go on and rebuild your life. That's a wilderness experience. Wilderness experiences can be a couple hours long. They can be a couple days, a couple weeks, maybe five or ten years for children of Israel, it was 40 years, 40 years plus, not just the 40 years, but probably 41 or two years. And so God takes us through the wilderness experiences to rob us of our self-sufficiency, to make us dependent upon him, to uh, literally help us, uh, take us away from our comforts and to get us into a place where we're sharing in in, in Christ's sufferings, right? Christ suffered. God wants us to suffer with him. And and uh, Christians need to have a good theology of suffering, it seems to me. Most Christians don't have that, especially those on the prosperity gospel side. Um, uh, and when, when he takes away easy access to basic resources, we even become more dependent upon him. And the distractions that come with wealth and the distractions that come with our society can kind of all get pushed away so that we can be his people and he can be our God, and we can focus wholly on him, and he can love on us fully. Yeah. He is uh, our sufficiency. There's no way around it. He is our sufficiency, even in this, even in this yeah. society, by far the most, um, the most wealthy and, and yet the most self-absorbed generation that this world has ever seen in any culture at any time is America in the 21st century we still need to depend on God. Uh, our wealth can go away in a moment's notice. Good word today from Bill English. You hear him regularly here on Faith Radio Mornings, and always glad to have you in studio. And the uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, can I just give sure. a quick plug for the best practices yeah, conference? It's sure, two yeah. weeks from That's today. Right. It's coming up. Yeah. It's two weeks from today. It's for business owners. It's going to be held at Fredrickson and Byron here in Minneapolis downtown. Uh, you can learn. Uh, I'm speaking there as well as some other folks, folks uh, uh, like uh, Lee Schram, the CEO of Deluxe Corporation, Ron Wirtz from the Minneapolis Federal Reserve. It is, uh, it's not a Christian conference, mm-hmm. but it is a, a best practices conference for business owners and business leaders, decision makers. We'd love to have you come. The cost is only 79 bucks. It's a half day. Uh, go out to bestpracticesconference.com. Take a look at it and and uh, register if you can get away for a half day and learn some really great nuggets on on some things you should be doing with your business to improve operations and profitability and purpose. Sounds good. Best Practices yep. Conference is coming up. Uh, we've been talking about it here, and you'll hear more about it here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Bill gets the award for the best uh, Halloween costume. Oh, yes. Basically because Rachel and I didn't uh, <laughs> didn't apparently get the memo that we were supposed to uh, you know wear our uh, outfit today. But uh, you are looking good though, Bill. Well, thank, thank you. you. You know, black sure. black and white stripes really well, <laughs> they just do the trick. Sure, I mean they? it's it's really slimming. I like it. So all right. So all speaking right. of Halloween, John Stone Street says, "What about Halloween? We'll talk about that in a minute."